What up, people? It's your boy, the host with the most. I do not brag or boast. And I'm coming to you guys live from coast to coast. It's your boy. I'm Chris Adam One. And welcome to another episode of I'm Chris Adam One Podcast, episode 172, I believe. How y'all living? I'm living swell. Uh, please be sure to write a review Give it a five-star rating. Do what you got to do to promote this podcast so we can get it lit in the podcast algorithm. You hear me? All right? You're sniffing me? Also, uh, be sure to share this content with your friends, family, as well as uh, your followers. Support me on my other platforms. The description of my other platform links are going to be in the description, by the way. Uh, nevertheless, I'm the best. Let's get into it. Let's get it cracker-lacking. Okay, so first and foremost, before we move forward, you know, with the podcast, uh, unfortunately, uh, last week was probably going to be my last week reviewing The Last of Us. Uh, just, I'm going to be 100% real with you guys. I, you know, uh, there was some, you know, there was a few people listening, but, you know, not a lot of people were listening. And I think it's oh, for several reasons. I don't think it's because of The Last of Us show as a whole. It's, it's, it's extremely popular. HBO Max done already renewed season two before they even introduced episode three in season one. I don't think it's that. I really think uh, now more than ever, there are more and more podcasts. So... It's kind of hard for an individual like Wah to break the norm and to be the official place where you're going to get your info on The Last of Us. And there's so many podcasts. They even got uh they even got an official podcast uh for The Last of Us that uh talk about uh the season as a whole and the episodes and things of that nature. So uh I, like I said last week, I I you know I love watching this show i'm gonna continue to support and watch the show i suggest you guys do the same but uh last uh week would be my last week talking about the last of us uh as a whole now moving forward let's get into uh the podcast itself so an interesting dialogue from joe button in the social media world took president's in the interwebs and basically uh joe button was and you know you know how joe button is he'll throw something out in the atmosphere not attach a name to it but everyone assumes that when he says something he's talking about uh the individual themselves so joe button made a statement basically saying that uh, there's a lot of rappers out there that think it is real easy and real sweet to do a podcast. A lot of rappers, and and, and and as a whole, a lot of rappers are moving into other lanes other than their music. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're moving into modeling, they're moving into TikTok, they're moving into, um, and I'm trying to, uh, oh, into comedy, trying to do stand-up comedy. Uh, they're just moving in other lanes other than their number one source, which is music. And, you know, Blueface, uh, you know, he's he's no longer a rapper. He, he says he's, he's not into the music anymore. 
Uh, he may do shows and appearances based on his uh, music, but you know, Blueface has moved on as a content creator for like OnlyFans and Zeus and things of that nature. You know, his uh, weird, complex relationship with Chris Christian Rock. Uh, but there's a lot of guys uh, that are in the rap game that are doing other things, okay? Just expanding their catalog, expanding the horizon, so to say. Uh, but Joe Button said it, it, it's not as easy as a lot of people say. He also adds some more mustard and salt to it that um, he's happy that podcasting has taken a hit. He's also happy that uh, a, a lot of people thought that they was going to make easy money in podcasting because they thought podcasting was sweet. Come to find out that it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard than uh, what is advertised. And Joe Button has figured out a way uh, to, you know, be very successful in the podcast line. Hate it or love it. You know, I know there's a lot of people that hate Joe Button. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that, uh, some people that, that, that may like Joe Button. Uh, I stay neutral about Joe Button. I don't, uh, you know, there's a way where you can separate the the art from the artist, right? Uh, like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a phenomenal singer had phenomenal hit albums, phenomenal hit records, sold out concerts and, and things of that nature. But a lot of people were kind of getting, what were, a lot of people were getting, was getting it kind of confused because they would uh, intertwine Michael Jackson's accomplishments as a singer and correlate them to Michael, uh, Michael Jackson as the person. And even though I feel like Michael Jackson's childhood was very rough, I feel like his childhood was stolen. He he didn't have the opportunity to be a child because when he was when he was a child, he was uh, on, on uh, he was on tour, he was making meat, he was uh, record, he was in the studio, uh, he was on several shows. I mean, he just didn't have an opportunity to uh, be a child. He he, he was a, a performer. And I feel like in retrospect, I felt like that really hurt him as he got older. Uh, you know, when he got when he got away from his parents, well, namely his father, and wanted to do his own thing, he still had childlike behavior and always wanted to hang around children, even when he was like 20, 25, 30, you know, into his 40s. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, the accusations and, and, and things of that nature of him, um, you know, with, with all that other stuff. But you you get my jerf. Uh Joe Button, you know, you can separate the art from the artist. Like uh, R. Kelly. I think R. Kelly is a phenomenal performer. I think he made some classic albums, some classic uh, singles. But uh, R. Kelly found himself into, in some serious trouble. But you can separate the person from the content. You can still respect the content, but at the same time, not respect the person who created the content. I feel like both of them can be exclusive uh, as, as as separate holes. 
And with Joe Button, a, a lot of people uh, try to intertwine Joe Button's accomplishments, Joe Button as the content creator, and they try to infuse it with Joe, Joe Button, the personality, Joe Button, the person. Uh, I made a video on both of my YouTube channels. You can go check them out. And I talked about the complex of Joe Button. And Joe Button is a very successful content creator. I think Joe Button really doesn't get his flowers uh, and his respect on this. I think Joe Button, even though they were podcasting back in the day, but podcasting was never on this plateau where it is today. If it, if it wasn't for the accomplishments, the individual accomplishments of Joe Button and others, but more importantly, Joe Button, he was more like a figurehead of podcasting could be a new lane as far as entertainment. Podcast could be a new lane when it comes to employment. Nobody wasn't really taking podcasting seriously. But when Joe Button got into the game, he made Joe, he made podcasting very pop, uh, popular, made it very uh, lucrative when it comes to mon monetizing uh, the, the episodes and monet monetizing podcasting. I think he's taking podcasting to another level. Now, every Tom, Dick, and Harry that has a mic feels like they could, uh, well, if Joe Budden can do it, I can do it. Uh, it, podcasting is really that easy. All you guys do is hit record and just start talking. All right. Uh, there's more complex layers to podcasting. Depending on the subject matter, you're going to have to get heavily informed about the issues that you're talking about, uh, about the dialogue that you're discussing. So you have to be a well-rounded person. Um, and uh, I feel like a lot of people feel like all they have to do is just buy the equipment, hit record, and they can instantly start a podcast. You know, I can understand the premise of you believing that. However, I don't um, understand why you think podcasting is so easy. And also, people feel like podcasting is so easy, anybody can do it. And a lot of people have that same uh, type of ideal of being a YouTube content creator. A lot of people feel like, well, it's easy to create content on YouTube. All you have to do is just stand in front of a camera and uh, hit record. Uh, podcast, uh, I feel like a lot of people feel like YouTube is is so easy, anybody can do it. And that's why a, the, the audience uh, really don't respect content creators on YouTube. And that's the same could be said for the audience not uh, giving podcasting its flowers, giving its respect. It's a lot of work that goes behind these shows. Uh, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of mechanisms that a lot of people are not familiar with as a, con as a content creator, either in podcasting or in YouTube. I feel like a lot of people feel that it's real easy to uh, do content on YouTube. It's real easy to do content in podcasting. Anyone can do it. And I feel like a lot of people uh, have this ideal of it's so easy, anybody can do it. So, when, so I can understand one point of Joe Button's argument when, uh, when he's uh, talking that, you know, podcasting, 
uh, a lot of people felt like podcasting is easy breezy cover girl. Uh, you know, T.I. has a You know, all these entertainers are now creating podcasts. All these athletes are now creating podcasts. All these musicians, rappers are creating podcasts. You know, uh, the even it even goes down into the adult content, uh, do, the sexual adult content. You have a lot of people that are in the adult content community that are now doing podcasts. So um, I feel like you have to have something if you're going to do a podcast, you have to have something that, uh, that you're familiar with that, uh, you can bring a, a different vision to the spectrum of whatever you're talking about. Um, uh, and I, I feel like those podcasts stand out more than, uh, your, you know, your, your, uh, mediocre podcast. You want to call them mediocre. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand uh, Joe Button's theory uh, that, you know, people think that is easy. And I have been there and done that. A lot of people think that what I do is easy. A lot of people think that what anybody else does is easy. So I can understand and it registers to me why uh, Joe Button feels this way. Because, I you know, hey, I, I understand. However, I think podcasting just like any other community uh, or any other form of entertainment when you start getting a lot of people uh with with and, and they're coming into the space they're coming into the community with their own uh ideals their own opinions uh their own personalities it, it you know that community is going to get oversaturated and i feel like podcasting has reached this point where it's oversaturated it, it's no different than twitch it's no different than youtube it, it, it's, it's no different than instagram it's no different from facebook it, it's no different than any form of entertainment on social media or just entertainment as a whole you know just like streaming services you know uh, back in the day, it was really only Netflix and Hulu that were doing the streaming services. Now, Disney has uh, has a streaming service. Now, uh, you, know, uh, you know, MGM has a streaming service. AMC Plus has a streaming service. HBO Max has a, a, a streaming service. The list goes on and on and on. Now, everybody, every major entertaining uh, enterta uh, entertainment corporation or network is now having a streaming service, okay? You know, instead of you know importing their content and their shows and their movies on Netflix and Hulu, there's you know uh, you know a lot of them are cutting the middleman and saying, you know what, we could do it better. Let's just have our own application where we'll have our own streaming service where people can come in and drop whatever. You know, uh, Paramount Plus has a streaming service, and now you're starting to see in the streaming service market is starting to become an oversaturated market. So it's no different than anything else that, particularly in entertainment, eventually, uh, you know, it, it's going to be oversaturated and you're going to have a lot of people coming in and it, it, it's like white noise, okay? You know, everybody has a thought, everyone has an opinion, but what makes your podcast, what makes you stand out from the rest and when you have an oversaturation in a community you just can't really uh 
come in saying, okay, well, my 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 situation is different than the than these other million of uh, entities. Okay, eventually, you know, when you, uh, when you have so many entities in one space and they're all talking at the same time, uh, someone on the outside looking in can't tell can't tell apart one from the other. So whatever uh, you know they listen to and whatever they're feeling they're going to subscribe and support whatever that podcast or whatever that form of entertainment is. So I feel like podcasting has reached uh, its wall and it's oversaturated. Uh, You know, like uh, I I remember four years ago when people were talking about the uh, OnlyFans boom, you know, a lot of women were making a lot of money on OnlyFans. And, you know, that's what all the women were talking about. I'm making so much money on OnlyFans making content. You had women saying, well, I'm quitting my nine to five job and I'm just strictly doing OnlyFans. You had women saying, you know, coming from other other from other communities of other parts of the world, say, you know, I, I was a doctor. I was a teacher. I was a nurse. I was a fireman. I was a police officer. You know, now I'm just doing OnlyFans. OK, and that was cool and all. And, and, and uh, I, I, you know, I get. Every, I, I, I respect anyone that is a is a content creator, and now all they got to do is create their content, and they don't and they can be their own boss. They can do their own thing. You know, you have to respect anyone from any walk of life doing that. However, you're like you're like OnlyFans reached a point; it hit the wall. And now it's oversaturated. Now, when people are new coming into OnlyFans, they find it kind of hard to make that same type of money uh, the the previous OnlyFans um, models were making back at the uh, you know uh, when when we, that COVID fiasco when OnlyFans had its boom, and even when people uh, were um, you know those people that that had that boom, now they're having a hard time you know, making that same money. So that's why you have to plan ahead. If you if if you're at an apex where you're making a lot of money, instead of spending that money and blowing that money on dumb stuff, you need to save that money because, you know, as a content creator, is life as a content creator, it has peaks and valleys. And it has more valleys than peaks, okay? Uh so uh it, it, you know, you, you you have to switch it up. And that explains why a lot of entertainers are going into other fields of entertainment to uh, collect some form of a check, uh, you know, and it, it is not uh, disrespectful. It's not like it, it's just me personally. It, you're just expanding your brand. OK, uh, so uh, that's one aspect of it. OK, now. I do get what Joe Button is his his whole argument is, and uh, basically, in a nutshell, he's saying this and he's saying the following: uh, You know, when I was doing podcasting, no one was interested in it. No rappers, no musicians. I mean, no one was interested into in this space. And ever since uh, I got very successful doing the podcasting, now everyone has a copy and paste approach saying, well, if Joe Button can do it, I can do it. And now uh, my space is, is oversaturating and 
MySpace has hit a wall. Uh, but those are the breaks. You know, if you know you find something and you get extremely successful and popular and make a lot of money in it, best believe people are going to copy and paste your blueprint and apply it to themselves. So I understand where Joe Button is uh, coming from. However, I do feel like Joe Button, uh, you know, I, you know, even though he's telling the truth, low key, he's uh, kind of, you know, upset at the fact that, hey, when I was doing it, no one was doing it and I was making a lot of money doing it. Now everyone else is making a lot of money doing what I was doing first. And it's, it's kind of hurting me to make even more money. So, yeah, I, I get what Joe Button is saying. And in a nutshell, uh, I, I co-sign to what he's saying. But, you know, at the same time, this is going to fall under fall under deaf ears. I don't think a lot of people are going to pay attention to this. I don't think people are going to pay attention to the message, uh, the information that was uh, he, he dropped some gems on this. People are going to look at it and say, oh, Joe Button said it. Oh, I don't like Joe Button. I think Joe Button is jealous of, of other people. I think he's taking a shot at Rory and Maul. I think he's taking a shot at Mav Hoffa. I think he's taking a shot at X, Y, and Z. I'm not paying attention to it, but uh, low-key, I think uh, what Joe Button's saying is valid. But like I said earlier in the podcast, sometimes you have to separate the message from the messenger, all right? Sometimes you have to separate the art from the artists uh, to fully appreciate uh, the message as a whole, all right? Okay, so if you've been following me, I normally do gaming topics on this podcast, like in the early stages of my podcast. And uh, I've taken a hiatus from gaming podcasts. I mean, doing gaming topics. Because one, there's not a lot of gaming topics that are interesting on, on a week-to-week uh, basis. Uh, but if you guys uh, like me continuing doing gaming topics, just let me know. And uh, I will continue to do them. Maybe uh, do uh, uh, another show that's strictly only gaming topics. But we're going to be talking about a topic about Microsoft and Game Pass. And I have talked about this on social media uh, ever since uh, the inception of Game Pass. I've been making videos. I've been doing this on, I've been doing live streams talking about this and just explaining to people uh, the pros and cons of Game Pass. Now, it seemed like everyone was focusing on the benefits of Game Pass the short-term benefits of Game Pass or how Game Pass enhance their experience, their own individual experiences. But I was looking at Game Pass as a whole. I was looking at Game Pass long-term success and long-term future and what ultimately Game Pass is going to do to gaming. And um, I, and like I said, I've been on live streams. I do, I said this. I, I explained this argument. At the end of the day, it devalues all the games that are on Game Pass. It sort of devalues 
of, of you know buying into studios. It devalues the IP of the game. It just simply devalues Microsoft Gaming as a whole. Now, when I was explaining this in, in, in detail, there was a lot of people that were not supporting my argument nor my negative my narrative i think a lot of people thought i was being negative a lot of people were saying that i'm a nintendo fanboy i'm a sony fanboy i'm a pc fanboy this that and the third so it's one of those type of situations where you just have to just watch it unfold sometimes you have to sit on your couch and watch things unfold and uh, the people that were making excuses about game pass will see ultimately what you already see. And there's an article that's floating around. And uh, they, and this was due, due to Microsoft buying act, trying to buy Activision and basically uh, running a tally on Game Pass. And uh, basically in this article, the bosses over there at Microsoft saying that Game Pass has... Uh, has little effect on, has no effect, will have a lot of effect on game sales, which that was my whole argument, all right? Uh, yes, sure, Game Pass, all the exclusive titles that Microsoft called exclusives, um, yeah, those games were going to be incorporated on Game Pass, as well as the uh, retro games, as well as any other new games or new IPs that come to uh, Microsoft. And on retrospect, uh, yes, I, I understand how it's beneficial to each individual out there who is gaming. But gaming as a whole, it it hurts gaming as a whole because now all of these exclusive IPs, these a coveted IPs that people were willing to spend $70 a pop, $100 a pop just on the game alone. People were willing to spend $60 on um, on, on Xbox Live. People were willing to uh, spend three, dollars $400, $500 on gaming consoles. People were willing to spend $60 to $100 or more dollars on uh controllers custom controllers and things of that nature custom consoles you know people were willing to drop that money in a heartbeat supporting their uh exclusive ip now it's on game pass and all you have to do is pay like five ten twelve dollars a month and uh you can get that exclusive ip and you don't have to drop any more further money uh into it so uh I was telling people how this could ultimately affect uh, the history of your favorite IP. Uh, it kind of watered down your favorite IP. And if you look at the sales of, uh, of, of Halo, of the recent Halo, of the recent Gears of War, they have not been impressive than previous uh, sales of, of older Halo and older Gears of War. Now, a lot of people are gonna say, well, that's probably, well, that's because uh, Epic is no longer making Gears of War and Bungie is no longer making Halo. And that's sort of part, part of the problem. I feel like that's a small percentage of the problem, but I feel like the biggest problem is that even when those, uh, 
even when Epic was no longer making uh, Gears of War, and when um, Bungie was no longer making Halo, and before Game Pass, it did, uh, those games did sell, okay? Those custom controllers still sold, sold. Those uh, custom consoles still sold. Those custom headphones sold, okay? So uh, they were making a profit. They may not have been making a bigger profit, uh, but they were making a, nevertheless, they were making a profit thus far. So um, uh, people can, can use that argument, but how much of that argument uh, prove your na uh, your narrative. Not that much. Uh, there's a correlation between ever since uh, Game Pass has started its reign, and ever since uh, Phil Spencer got on stage and said all your favorite exclusive IPs are going to Game Pass, how those IPs uh, sold. Uh, coming out of the stores, coming out of the retail stores, coming out of GameStop. Uh, coming out of the uh, the Microsoft store. Why buy a $70, $100 game when you can just buy Game Pass and spend, like I said, $6, $10, $12 a month and uh, you get to uh, uh, get you get an opportunity to play those games. Uh, it's a low risk, high reward as an individual gamer, but it's even a, a, a higher risk and a, and a little to none reward for the studios, for the publishers, for Microsoft gaming as a whole. And that's what I, the whole point I was making about Game Pass. Sure, Game Pass benefits the gamer where you can pay like six, 10, $12 a month and you can, uh, it's like a buffet for you. You can just play any game to your heart content. All right. Uh, but at the same time, it devalues those games. Uh, you don't have a huge fan base that's that's going to pay $70, $110 uh, for those games when you can just buy Game Pass and you can just buy the game uh, as a whole, uh, just off of Game Pass. And that was the whole entire point of my argument. It devalued those games. Those games are are not as pristine as they were in its uh, history. And now you have uh, Phil Spencer as well as uh, Microsoft Gaming saying, yes, Game Pass do devalue those games. No one is interested in buying a standalone game where you can just get it straight off of Game Pass. So uh, now when you devalue the IP, then there's no need to put a lot of money and a lot of focus into the studios or into the publishing okay because everything uh everything is sort of cookie cutter for uh uh for game pass this is now you're you're having a different type of mentality instead of trying to create the best game in that uh, catalog, in that uh, IP's catalog, now your mentality is, let's just uh, make a game so we can have something on Game Pass. Yes, it devalues it. You're not going to uh, respect it anymore uh, 
with this with this type of logic. You're not going to put your heart and soul. You're not going to press it. You're not going to, um, um, you know, uh, you're, you're not making a games and saying to yourself, well, we have to make a community for this game so people continue to play the game and, uh, you know, people have a reason to uh, play the game. Now, you're, you're, you're uh, making uh, a, a game that you can just throw in the log, sort of say, for Game Pass. You're just only having enough content for Game Pass. And I told you guys, Game Pass, uh, I felt like Microsoft saw the explosion with streaming services such as Hulu and Netflix. And, and Microsoft said, uh, Phil Spencer said, hey, why don't we have something similar to like that for our games, similar to like Netflix and Hulu. And if you've been following Netflix and Hulu, there's, there's a point in time where Netflix and Hulu were struggling with their subscriptions. Not a lot of people were subscribing to Netflix and Hulu. They, they lost tons of subscriptions because of a lot of the content that used to be on Netflix and Hulu. Now those uh, now it's on its own individual streaming service. Content that was for CBS and Paramount, Paramount Plus was created for that type of content. Uh, NBC, Peacock, their content is is on their own service. So uh, AMC, so so you see how so when and even uh, uh, Disney Plus with Marvel and Disney movies, or they have their own streaming service. So when you start pulling all the popular shows, all the popular movies, and now they have their own streaming service, okay. Uh, it devalues now. It devalues the importance of even having a subscription service for Hulu and Netflix. If you was a fan of Marvel movies, why would you continue to have a subscription for Netflix and Hulu when you know you're a Marvel fan? The only time you utilize those platforms when those shows and those movies were aired on those platforms. Now. Uh, their own Disney Plus, so you're better off just subscribing to Disney Plus and enjoying that type of uh, of content. Okay, so uh, that's what's transpiring with a uh, Game Pass game, in a sense. Uh, now uh, it devout, it, it, but it's doing it in a negative way. Now with Game Pass, there's there's really no need to buy these games whole when you can just get them off Game Pass. And it devalues uh, the game itself. So now Microsoft is trying to buy studios. Okay, they they bought Bethesda for a gazillion dollars. They're in the running to buy Activision for a, a gazillion plus dollars. And everyone sees the writing on the wall. Once they uh, get their hands on Activision. Uh, they're going to make Activision, all of Activision IPs, which is Call of Duty and all, make it exclusive to Game Pass. So you have to have a Game Pass subscription for uh, Call of Duty. But Call of Duty is the most the the most selling game in gaming history. It's it, Call of Duty sells more than Madden. Call of Duty as as a franchise, the Call of Duty franchise has sold more than Madden, has sold more than 2K, has sold more than Rockstar. Uh, Call of Duty don't make money, it prints money. And there was a lot of reports that suggest that when Microsoft was going to buy uh, 
Call of Duty, they was going to put it on Game Pass. Now, they also said that they was going to let uh, Nintendo and Sony uh, still play Call of Duty. They're going to have to buy it as a game. They was even going as far as, hey, man, y'all can put this on your own subscription service. Um, but Call of Duty is one of those type of games that it sells more than description service. Call of Duty sell, makes more money than Game Pass. It makes more money than um, um, uh, 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 PlayStation Plus subscription service. It makes more money than those uh, subscription service. I dare to say it makes more money than them subscription services combined. Okay, because you have people willing to spend not only 60, 70, 100 dollars a pop for the game, but they're also willing to buy the season passes. They're also willing to buy the camos. They're also willing to buy the guns. So Call of Duty doesn't need a subscription service to be very, very successful at the end of the day. So that's what's transpiring with Call of Duty. Now, I will say this. Uh, there have been a lot of reports that suggest that this deal may fall through and or uh, Microsoft will, will be able to buy Activision, but uh, Call of Duty, the Call of Duty franchise will not be incorporated into that package. OK, uh, now the uh, F, uh, the uh, now the, the governments of uh, uh, around the world is saying this would be a, a, a monopoly in the gaming, uh, in the in gaming uh, in, uh, entertainment as a whole, because Call of Duty is one of those big, those big franchises that um, that that that's, that's successful everywhere. So now you're taking something that's extremely successful, that's making more money than your streaming service can ever fathom of making, and now you're going to just only have this on Game Pass, and then make like little deals with uh, Nintendo and and Sony, saying, "Hey, y'all put it on your streaming service, but you're only going to have a uh, you, you're only going to be allowed to do it for X amount of years, and this, that, and the third, and every uh, so often we." can um negotiate for another deal which means uh microsoft is going to up the any up the price uh for them to be able to do that anyway so therein lies the problem uh if this deal do passes uh which i, I you know i I'm, i highly doubt this deal is going to pack uh is going to pass as a whole but if this deal do passes uh, the Call of Duty franchise will not be included in the deal or the deal itself is just going to fall through and then uh, Activision is going to have to figure something else out, okay? So, uh, yeah, that's what's transpiring and uh, what's going on. And, um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of gamers in the space is saying uh, foul, like more than... I feel like the... Um, the Microsoft gamers are saying foul on this decision, but um, ultimately, this is going to be very beneficial for the gaming community as well as the gamers, all gamers. Uh, letting Call of Duty remain as its own entity or or Activision as its own entity, uh, and and on top of that, uh, Activision has been the source of a lot of controversial things that's happening in their studios 
Bobby Cox wants to uh, basically, this would have rewarded, if this deal would have fell through, this would have, this, if this deal went through, this would have been very beneficial for Bobby Cox. He would have made a lot of money on his way going out. Uh, this sort of kind of gets him out of the uh, situation that Activision finds themselves in. But uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in this deal being uh, very uh, successful. But, you know, it is what it is. So um, if this deal does not go through, Microsoft is going to have to reevaluate how they do business moving forward. I think ultimately this is uh, going to hurt Phil Spencer. Um, PR wise, as well as at Microsoft. Uh, I think Microsoft is going to probably change how they move, how they move in the business space. I think this is the beginning of the end of Game Pass as we know it as of right now. I think Game Pass is going to exist, but I feel like it's going to be more so for retro games. I feel like any. I feel like Game Pass is, I feel like Microsoft is going to copy and paste what Sony's doing. Yes, Sony, their newer IPs are making its way on PlayStation Plus streaming services, but it's like a year, maybe two years down the road. And that's what Marvel is doing with their movies. They're, they're premiering in the movie theaters, and then a year later, it comes to the streaming service. So you're getting the money from the movie theaters very successful and at a large rate and then you're getting the movies uh, and then you're getting the money from your streaming service so you get it from two different areas and you're still getting a boatload of money that way and i feel like that's how playstation is playing this game they're saying okay our games are still going to be exclusive they're going to be temporarily exclusive maybe a year, two, three years down the road, depending on the IP, then we'll think about making its way to PC. And then it'll finally make its way to PlayStation uh, streaming service. So uh, I feel like if you want to do a streaming service, you can do it that way. And I feel like that's a, that's a way where it can work out for everyone. And I feel like Microsoft is going to adopt that and they're going to add provisions with the with Game Pass. I feel like that will allow their newer IPs, their exclusive IPs, to still make money on its own, but also generate and create money on Game Pass. I feel like you can still have a streaming service and, and still have a very successful uh, IP, an exclusive IP, and uh, that puts uh, that puts more. Uh, money into the studio and um, I do feel like Microsoft is going to say to themselves why are we owning all of the and it explains why you haven't seen a lot of new IPs um, being making its way uh, or being announced because Microsoft finally figured out wait a minute we're, we're, we're buying these studios to a lot of very successful games only for those successful games that were making money and had a large fan base, there was buying these games anywhere, anyway, so 60, 70, $100 a pop. And you mean to tell me we're gonna turn this, we're gonna lose this profit just to put it on Game Pass. 
make it make sense. So yeah, that's uh, uh I feel like uh, that's basically what's going to happen. Well, that's all I got for today. Episode, I believe this is 171 or 172. I forgot. I really do appreciate everyone uh, coming and paying attention. As always, rate, comment, subscribe. Share this content with your friends, family, and followers. It's your boy, the host of the most. I do not brag or boast. And I'm coming to you guys live from Ghost to Ghost. It's your boy. I will see you on the flip side of things. I will see you guys next week. Same bad channel, same bad time. Outro, baby. Thank you.